Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It feels a little different this morning, so we're just going to go with it. Is that all right? Not going to go straight into announcements. I didn't know what Kieran was going to share, but actually it is amazing because we're in a, a... series around faith and around God doing amazing things in our midst and around trusting God for amazing things. And I think part of that is he gives us signs and wonders to look at. And, and most of those times, those signs and wonders are people. They're lives where the grace of God is God. And Andrew van Rijn is a sign and a wonder. Una van Rijn are signs and wonders to this community and to this city of faith and holding on. And God wants to use that and continue to do that with us. I love Dwayne's sharing as well from the word calling us to be remembered of the greatness of our God. I think when we lose that image and we aren't captivated by that anymore, we're in trouble. When we're captivated just by what he does or just by where he works or just by when he moves in certain ways, we get enamored when a healer comes to town, a healing gift, or we get enamored with a prophetic gift. No, actually those aren't the things that keep us on our knees worshiping. Those are the things that just remind us how amazing he is to worship. And so we gather this morning and um, I want to call us, I feel like I've got a word this morning, which is a little bit different. We've been teaching and calling, and it's coming out of Easter, and we've had an amazing Easter weekend. We've filled out, and uh, some of us were a little tired after Easter. It's a lot of church. I love church, but it's a lot of church, and it's good, though. I oh, know, Louise can never get enough. She's got energy for days. The legs were going this morning. They were... Bunty started getting the groove on, and our God is awesome, and Louise's legs started doing this. That's all good. We love those legs. Signs and wonders. Again, signs and wonders. They come in all shapes and sizes. Can I just pray for us this morning? Felt like we couldn't go into announcements. Felt like God wants to minister this morning. God, I pray. Church is yours. People are yours. All glory is yours. This morning, have it all we pray. King Jesus, we worship you. We adore you. I pray for freedom this morning. I pray for life this morning. I thank you for Andrew's testimony this morning. And just what you have done in one life. We say, do it again and do it again and do it again. For children of people here whose children are out and they're struggling with addictions. I pray right now, do it again, Jesus. Life come, order come, peace come. Do it again. Break the chains of addiction in the city. Break the chains of addiction in this area, we pray, God. Do it again. Our mighty King, as Philippians reminds us. Our glorious God who is exalted above all others. Do it again, mighty King. We worship you, God, this morning. Amen. Amen. It is a serious moment, but it's also a good moment. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Signs and wonders. I, I, I felt like I looked like a sign and wonder on Friday night. I played action cricket. Now, if you have played action cricket before... Then you know I did something which I, 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 I lay on the ground about 20 minutes before the game and started stretching. People looked at me like I was the guy who'd invented something called stretching. Maybe even the guy invented the wheel. It was that they were like, what are you doing? Most of them were in their 20s though, if I'm just going to put that out there. It was like a sign and a wonder to them in that moment. Until in the third over, Jacques tore his Achilles. Then everyone started stretching. They're like, what, what, what was that thing you did there? How, how do you do that? No, it gets real quickly all of a sudden. We're glad the joke is bouncing back. 
And um, although it was funny to watch at the time, because they even ran him out. Which I thought was a bit rough, personally. It might have been a redhead guy. There were only 16 guys on the field, eight per side. There was only one guy who got angry in the whole match. He might have been the one redhead guy. I'm not going to tell you who it is or that his wife's name is Fiona. I'm not going to tell you any of those things. Just saying when a fielder ran across him and he got sprawled out on the floor, it might have been one guy named Gabriel. Just saying. But you'll be in good hands. He'll be here ministering next week and he can tell his side of the story. But as we testify, there are these signs and wonders given to the church that are signs and wonders are for the world. They might come to Jesus, but there are also signs and wonders given to the church that our faith would rise, that we'd see lives change like that life changed. On Friday, I saw a sign and wonder in this courtyard of a young couple named Roscoe and Joe, who last year, February, were nowhere. They'd been dating for what felt like a millennium since he was 17 years old. There was no future. There was no story. There was just, we're just going to move forward. There's no direction. And then they encounter this amazing king named Jesus and his community called the church. Now, maybe the church to you is Sunday and it's a moment, but I'm telling you, there's so much more to the church. And this wedding happened because people in this church provided the food, provided the ceremony, and she told them, this is what you're going to do because this is what Jesus demands of you after dating for 10 years. And they got up, and it was an amazing thing. I saw the speeches happening, and um, his best mates, he's walked with them for years, and, and this mate is a delightful, delightful young guy, but he doesn't know Jesus, so he went to speeches.com and researched best man speech. You know those? Those are the ones you don't want to tell sometimes. And, and, and he told those speeches, and then the next speech, and it was awesome, by the way, but the next speech was done by two ladies who are quite a bit older than Roscoe and Joe. And uh, But these two ladies are the two ladies that have walked with this young couple since they came to an Alpha course last year, February or March, and gave their life to Jesus. These two ladies have loved them. These two ladies have supported them. These two ladies organized them this thing together and to provided a wedding that they couldn't afford to happen. These two ladies organized photographers, along with other ladies and women and men from this community, got around them and organized people to serve in the kitchen, people to take photographs, people to set up tables. And these two ladies said the next speech. And just to honor Heidi and Mariette, who are part of this community, and just what God has done through them into this amazing couple, and the many, many others in this community who have loved this young couple. As this young guy got up and told his best mate, he said, I've told you, you need Jesus. This is at the wedding. The guy's making a speech. He's just made the best match. He says, I've told you, you need Jesus, but. He says, look what Jesus does. But that's a sign and a wonder of what God does in community. And then in community as well, he does other signs and wonders. And I wanted to share, as I preached on healing two, three weeks ago, God has done some cool healings in our midst. And I want to share three specific ones because all three of these the individuals responded. See, sometimes God doesn't need our response. He's just God. He'll just do it anyway. And you don't even have to get out your chair. He'll do it there. But sometimes he says, I want you in faith to respond to a moment of faith and courage and to respond. See what God, what I will do. And all three of these are very cool testimonies because they're individuals who responded to, to in moments in community to healing. One, there was a word, and I remember it clearly, of cramps. And Ian came up. Hello, Jess. See you over there. And her man, he's been struggling for months, is that right? 
with these cramps, unexplainable cramps and pain. And someone said, actually, God wants to heal. And he said, I, I want, I believe in a God who heals. It's not about who I am or my work. I believe in a God who heals. And in a moment, and since then, is that right, Jess? Those cramps have been gone. That's been probably four weeks now, three weeks now, completely gone, completely frill. And I love that stuff. And, and then Shamisa was here. And, 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 and again, an invitation, if you want to receive healing from the healer, and she's pregnant, and, and there's a hip thing going on, and she's had pain in her hip. And since that moment of prayer, her pain is completely gone. And then there's an amazing test me, and I want to read some of the details of this because this was from Caroline. I've been suffering from a lung disease for 22 years. And I had 30% lung damage, which was permanent, and struggled in and out of hospital for the last 22 years with state-of-the-art meds from a pulmonologist. I'm not even sure exactly what that guy is. And a professor with costly monthly fees. And um, in a moment of, of receiving and trusting God for healing in community, God has healed her completely. That is since the end of February. 28th of February, completely off meds, completely free, doesn't have to use a nebulizer every morning. And, and I want to tell you about a God. A God who heals. We sang it this morning. He reigns. He heals. He saves. He delivers. He's a God of signs and wonders, and he does that in his community, and he wants to keep doing it. I, I, I'm a fan of healing, but I'm a way more fan of Jesus. And yet he's a healer and he wants to heal. He wants to restore. He wants to do these amazing things. I can introduce you to these people if you're a skeptic. saying, oh, I've heard this stuff before, Mark. <laughs> Seen people. No, that's why we tell the stories four weeks later. I don't know when the 28th of February was, but it was more than four weeks later. Going, God wants to keep doing these things because he is a guy saying, community, will you trust me? We serve a miracle working God. But I have got a simple word from a scripture this morning in Acts 12. And basically, it says, we've been talking about move the mountains. And we're in a series about moving mountains where God challenges his community of disciples in Matthew 17. He says to them, come on, guys. If you just had a little bit of faith, you could say to that mountain, move over there, and that mountain will move. It's a challenge. I don't think it's just a rebuke and a harsh word. Come on, now you've walked in three years now. Surely you've got it. No, he's calling them to something. He's saying, come on, guys. There's more for you. There's a bigger story. I want you to have faith story. I want you to have your own stories. Don't you love it when we tell stories and, and the whole church goes, yay, yay for those guys. But I don't think that's the response the Bible demands of it. The Bible says actually there's, there's more for us. And today I want to speak about what simple steps of freedom look like because of what Jesus has done. And when we walk in that and how we address that is really, really important. So I'm going to read from Acts chapter 12. Maybe you can read with me if you've got your Bible. Acts is about four-fifths of the way through the Bible. And, um, and if you haven't got your Bible, it's up on the screen. And Acts is this book. It's the start of the early church. It's the excitement of the gospel has come. Jesus has died. He's risen again. He releases the Holy Spirit into his disciples. There is excitement. A guy who was a wimp named Peter, this guy we read about, and chickens out to a little girl and denies Christ to her. Didn't have a whole bunch of courage. Gets filled with the Spirit of God. And the game changes. I want to tell you the game has changed if Jesus has broken into your heart. Even if you make a decision five minutes ago and the Spirit of God says that you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, the game has changed. Everything changes. And everything has changed. We engage Acts chapter 12 and there's a whole bunch of stuff that's been going on in this story that actually there's been this challenge and now... This guy, Peter, who's been doing miracles, who's been preaching a thousand, getting saved, who's been a little bit of a rock star to this point 
in the gospel story. If there was social media, he would have been all over it. There just wasn't in those days. So there were a whole bunch of people speaking about, have you heard what God is doing? He just happens to end himself in prison. That might happen to you as well for the gospel. No one said amen to that. (laughs) Me, Lord, choose me. Verse 1, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Well, that's encouraging. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. That's also encouraging. Well, that worked. Look at the Jews. They get so excited. Let's do some more of this. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the door. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel of the Lord said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel of the Lord, and the angel told him, as the angel, what? Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Yes. Was that, and that was better. Yeah. I'm supposed to be looking at you guys while I read as well. That's cool thing. We're not going to do that this morning. People followed him. Peter followed him out of the prison. He's a people. Peter's a people. But he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. What is going on here? He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen to me. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. This move the mountains and what God has called us to in this time. And, and it's not about us at this time becoming a moving mountain people. It's about the reality and the truth that God is always a moving mountain God. And so he keeps pulling us. And this series and everything we're preaching about, the fact that God gives us the opportunity to partner with him in something that is not of this world, something that is not possible of this, in this world, outside of a relationship and a partnership with the mountain moving God. And he pulls us into the story. See, in this story, you have a man that is placed in a prison. A prison is a small, dark space, not a glorious space. I have not been to prison. Some of you are like, cool, that's a relief. A pastor hasn't been to prison. I've visited prisons. I've had the privilege of going to visit Alcatraz and a couple of these prisons. I'm fascinated by prisons. Why? Because our God died so that people, prisoners, could come out of prisons. Our God died and rose again so that those who were in chains could keep leaving the chains behind and walk into freedom and space. That's why Jesus died. Now, the challenge is we can't always see those chains and we don't always perceive those prisons. And yet that's exactly why he died. So that men who are in addiction can encounter the glory of the risen God and enter the church and enter his glory and enter his space and walk into freedom. That is what the gospel is to me. And yet my challenge as a pastor and my greatest pain, if I look back over 
however many years of leading people, however many years of being a pastor, led my first life group at 21 years old. I've loved people and walked people for a long time. My greatest pain is the people who can't leave their chains behind. Now, I know God is good, but yes, I was really hurt by this person. Yes, I was really hurt that God let me go through this circumstance. And those chains hold for years and years and years. The problem when you've been walking in the church, I've been in church since I was about 14 years old. This means I've been in church for about six years. And um, <laughs> But the problem when you've been in church for a long time and you've walked with people a long time, you get to see the impacts and the effects of chains that hold. And the challenge that people go, I know Jesus is glorious, yay for someone else, but actually I'm still chained to a wall. And the gospel breaks in and the Israelites were these people who got set free from from actually slavery. Their kids had no other option but were born into slavery. Their masters could do anything to them and get away with it. That's what their children are born into and they get set free. They get put into space. And yet on first challenge, on first encounter, where's my breakfast? Which I hear every morning from my three kids. Where's my breakfast? You swear the world's fallen apart because you ran out of wheat picks. It's the same for the Israelites. Where's my breakfast, God? There's no breakfast. And what do they say? I want to go back into slavery. What? Now, I like those chains because I got breakfast in those chains. No, you're thinking too small. It's not about breakfast. It's about the glory of God and the freedom he wants to bring to your soul and my soul and to this world. And I want to tell you that salvation is not just, and I said almost every Sunday, but salvation is not just for after this life and into eternity. Oh, I, got, I made that decision and I'm going to keep going to church so that one day when I reach the gates, Peter will say, hey, I recognize you. Lucky to have you in heaven. Welcome. No, it's for now. So that I can have space now. So I can let go of the chains now. I can walk free and into freedom now. The mark of a Christian life, I promise you, isn't going to be peace and tranquility. This guy, Peter, is in the middle of God's will for his life, and he's sitting in a prison. We struggle with that. But sometimes, even though the freedom of God is in our hearts, there are these prisons that entangle us and get we get pulled into. And I want to tell you, God wants victory in your prisons so that you become a sign and a wonder to the world around you because people are watching, and the world is watching, and they're looking for Jesus. They're not looking at you guys. Get over the fact that the world's judging you. The world keeps shouting, oh, the church is so judgmental. No, the world is watching the church and they're judging and I'm telling you, get over it. And get on about Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus and allow the world to think what they think and as long as they see him. Is that all right? Quite excited this morning. But Peter, I've spoken about, but he's this rock star of the gospel and the, the story of the gospel is a new thing in this age. So Herod, he's now puts one brother to death. He thinks this is a good plan because his cheerers are getting excited. So he's going to put another one, Peter, to death. That's the plan. So he upgrades security. Four different squads of four guys. And Peter is chained to a wall. And actually history would tell us and most um, commentators of the word would tell us that most of those chains, they would have had a chain that would tie his two arms together and he would have a chain to his feet. His feet and his hands would have been chained. Then he would have two sentries sitting next to him. Then two at the gate. And then he says there's a big iron gate, which we hear about later in the scripture. There's a big iron gate holding him inside the prison. And outside of that, there is a warden watching. And his whole mandate is you keep that guy in jail. It's not the most encouraging place to be. And maybe you feel like you're in that place today. It's like a little bit of overkill security. This is not the series Prison Break. He doesn't have the plans tattooed, or he didn't have time. I really enjoyed that series, by the way. And um, But he's sitting in prison, and he could easily be going, 
God, I thought you were doing something here, and here I am. Got these chains, got these dudes. These guys are not encouraging him. I don't know what you think, but I don't think they're sitting next to him going, don't worry, Pete, it'll be okay, buddy. I think he's bluffing. I don't think that's what they're saying to him. I think they're saying to him, how's this like? He's dead. No, we're just here for the paycheck, but you're dying tomorrow. Sorry, but I don't think they're encouraging him. Because actually, their job is to discourage him. Their job is to get his eyes fixed off Jesus and fixed on his circumstances and fixed on the smallness of the environment he is placed in. And then at the gate, there's a gate and there's two other dudes standing there. Yes, that oak's toast. Chain, yeah, this is encouraging. Oh, but you are finished. Herod's going to use you. Can you hear them? And outside, the Jews are going, Hurt him! Sort him! And every five minutes, normally the warden does his rounds every seven hours. Just making that up, because I don't know. But <laughs> this time, because it's heightened security, he's doing the walk every seven minutes. He's walking. Peter's still there. Because he knows if that guy gets out, it's his head on the block. And the big iron gates is shut, it's bolted, it's chains everywhere. And Peter's sitting behind me, go, our God is an awesome God. He reigns. That's the situation. And yet the Bible says in John chapter 8, so if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Maybe you feel like Peter today, you're at church, but the chains are still there. The chains of addiction. Maybe there's a plan in you even now to leave this place and go straight back to that addiction and you're appeasing some kind of conscious moment now. I'm telling you the truth is if you would accept the truth of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, which the whole of Easter is about, you are free. The chains might still be there, but you are still a free man sitting in a prison right now. But God says there's some steps to freedom that won't make sense to this world. What are your chains today? See, it says two chains, and history tells us chains on his feet and chains on his hands. Maybe you've got chains on your hands. I want to do something good for God. God has told me to, to, to press, and God has told me to put my hand to the plow. God has told me to serve those people, to be generous with my hands. But my hands are chained. What can I do, Mark? And chains his feet. Well, God's asked me to go just walk across the office to say hello to this person because I know they're in chaos. I can see it. The Spirit of God has showed me. But we can't move because we're chained. What are your chains today? Maybe could I suggest just a few? I know because I probably had all of them. Unforgiveness. It's a very strong chain. Apathy. It's probably the strongest chain. King David ends up having a man killed because of apathy because he's sitting on his porch watching while the battle rages on. Apathy kills people. Pain of the past, pain, fear, and intimidation. Fear of failure, man, disappointment, guilt, and shame. Then there are these prison guards who are speaking intimidation all day long. Understand the enemy that we have, because you have an enemy. The enemy that you have is called the accuser of the saints. That's how the Bible describes him. The enemy is very good at accusing. And it gets in our heads. You only have to play wicketkeeper while Gabe Phillips is batting to just sow a couple seeds of doubt. And he starts, see the little red legs, see the legs going. And he's, and... Sorry, it was very funny. And um, 
But actually, my Bible tells me, regardless of what the chains look like, regardless of what the context looks like, regardless of how I feel, my Bible says in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, you are a chosen priesthood, a royal, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It says God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who you called out of darkness into wonderful light. Does it say when everything's going well? Does it say when every chain in my life is sorted and I'm perfect, I'm just a lot like Jesus? No, the only time I'll be a lot like Jesus is in heaven when I'm with him and his glory overcomes my brokenness and he pulls me into his perfection. See, the Bible says, as I explained last week, when the Father looks at me, I'm perfect. And Hebrews tells me I'm perfect being made holy. I'm on this journey and I've got to go on this journey. And I've got to become more and more like him. But there's still a journey. And the gods are shouting and they're mocking and they're jeering. And maybe the gods are, the gods are on your life and they, they feel like every time you go out your door, there's gods mocking. Oh, watch out. Security. Your nation. Crime. Maybe every time you go out, I'm going to be generous to someone and you're on the way to their house to be generous with them and the gods are mocking. Oh, you're not going to have enough tomorrow. Is your God really that faithful? Is your God really that kind? Dude, two single ladies really want to provide a honeymoon for a young couple. Sorry, not to give away your reward. Do two single ladies who provide for themselves really want to bless a young couple who actually have the ability to earn? No, those are just the gods of intimidation that are at the gate. And they're sitting next to you and they're at the gate and they're big. And the challenge is when we're sitting on the floor, they look even bigger. Maybe feel like that today. What are the things that keep us from kingdom fruitfulness and a journey? Why do we get people to raise their hands in church? Have you ever asked that? Is that just a thing weird Christians do? Yeah, I know some of you actually think that. I'm just going to raise my because everyone's doing it, so I'm just going to raise. I know because I did it for years as well. Don't worry. We've all been that guy. And um, like, well, no, the chick down there will think I'm weird if I don't. So look at me. Higher than the oak next to me. Higher. Stay up for hours, yeah. Why do we do that? Why? Because in that there are statements to the enemy. Look how glorious my God is. There's a statement to myself that in my brokenness I will raise my hands to the king as a sign of worship that Psalm speaks about and I'm pulled into a faith story. There's a deliberate act. Why do we call people to the front sometimes? Because I'm telling you there's nothing like activating faith just to get out of our seats that releases the kingdom of heaven in our lives. Simple things. And yet we realize we get stuck in these stories. And it it, it challenges, he says, the night before he's to be executed. It's happening in night time. Who knows night time's the toughest time? When you're struggling with the challenge, maybe a secret sin, maybe addiction, maybe brokenness, maybe the enemy just reminding you of when you were really broken. And maybe you struggled with addiction 20 years ago. Maybe you struggled with pornography 20 months ago. But in the middle of the night, that's when the enemy starts to speak. And Peter's here in the middle of the night with chains on in a prison. But who is he? He's still God's chosen vehicle. Why is he there? For the gospel, not for himself. Why and how is he there? Well, he's there full of power, full of might, full of the same goods that were in him when he preached the gospel and 3,000 got saved. He's the same guy. He just happens to be in a prison in that moment. He's there at night and it says the church are praying 
And I love this. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and light shone in the cell. God doesn't need electricity. He doesn't need the right environment. He doesn't need Tanya on the keys playing Imana. He just doesn't need any of those things. Suddenly, a light shone in the cell. In the darkness of that place, God will shine. God will shine in the darkest places of our world. And I'm telling you, as things get darker and days get darker and challenges get more real, the light of God will shine in the darkest places. It's what we believe. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I love it. It says suddenly. If you want to walk with Jesus and you want the Spirit of God in your life, get used to suddenlies. Matthew 28. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings. Acts 1 says they were looking intently up in the sky and he was, as he was going, when suddenly two men addressed appeared. Acts 2, suddenly a, a, loud, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came. Acts 16, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake. That's the second prison scene with Paul and Silas. But how did he handle his suddenliness? Is that a word? Suddenlies, not a word. Steve, please don't go back and tell Craig Mark can't speak English, please. Steve and Jess from Urban Life Church, amazing to have you guys with us this morning. Says The Bible says he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. You want to know what starts a journey to freedom? It's wake up, believer. Sometimes we just got to wake up. I'm going to preach what I wish I could say in every pastoral meeting sometimes. Is that all right? Sometimes you just can't. Sometimes people just... You just, you got to love and you got to hold. And, and my wife's with me and other guys have passed with me. I, I love speaking truth, but I realize sometimes you got to, you got to package it for what's palatable. But the Bible doesn't always do that. The Bible just says, actually, what he said to people, Peter, he poked him in the side and said, wake up. Sometimes we got to wake up and realize there is an enemy. We ought in a prison and we ought on earth, but our God ought in heaven. I like that word. And because of that, the Bible says, actually, come on, Peter, wake up. See what God is. See who he is. Read Philippians. See the glory of the risen God. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's, it's the dreams that God put inside you and you've been telling people about a prophecy you received when you're 14 year old about the business you're going to lead, but fear and intimidation are standing next to you and they're shouting, you can't do it. And God wants to get in there and say, wake up now. Mighty warrior. Wake up, mighty king. Wake up. Allow God to get in there. And then he says this, quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Now, what I'm amazed and challenged and a whole bunch of things about this. First of all, quick. How many of you know God has spoken things in moments, reading his word in prayer on a Sunday. And by Monday, on Sunday night, you're like, I will do anything. I'll go to Yugoslavia for you, God. By Monday, Yugoslavia seems a whole long way away. It's like, God, I went on flight scanner and I looked for the flights and they're very expensive. To Yugoslavia. Then there's the visa issue. Surely you've got someone else for Yugoslavia, Lord. Actually, no, quick, get up. And what you, we don't know and what the Bible doesn't detail, and I wish the Bible did. Did the chains fall off first or did he just get up? Or did they happen at the same time? I reckon we worship the God of split, spec, split seconds who doesn't make a mistake and doesn't let anything go to chance. He oper- operates every detail. And as I look at the overwhelming meta-narrative of the gospel and the story of faith that God is releasing and revealing through his people, there is this response of faith that actually, regardless of these chains that are on my hands and regardless of these chains that are on my feet and regardless of these guys that are taunting me and sitting next to me, I'll get up. 
And I think, as Peter stands there, he's full of the Spirit, he's preached the gospel, he's told his testimony, he is a victor because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony, he begins to stand up and the chains just fall off. I don't know which one happened first. I think too many people are waiting for the chains to fall off, move themselves to the other side of the room, God to paste the, the, the sentries up against the wall. And then we start to think, well, I'm going to get up now. I don't know, but faith looks a little different. Faith looks like regardless of them, regardless of these chains, God has said, I will get up. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to get it quickly. I do want to get you excited this morning. I feel like part of this Move the Mountain story is God is calling us to wake up and to get up. And maybe you've been sitting here and this challenge has been with you for years and years and years. A guy sat at a, a next to a road waiting for someone to pick him up for 38 years. Lame and broken. What we don't know is maybe if he just heard the word of God, get up. It wouldn't have been 38 years. And yet the problem is I meet people person after person. Oh, this happened when I was 17. This happened when I was 27. And I'm not mocking that. I'm not trying to minimize that at all. But maybe the word of God to you is the same word that came to Peter. Now wake up and get up. And as you start to stand, as your bones begin to creak and crackle like after a game of action cricket. That's me. The faith breaks in. The economy of heaven breaks in. The freedom of heaven breaks in. The glory of God breaks in. And light begins to shine where previously there was only darkness. I don't know. I'm just telling you what happened in the Bible. I'm saying it's worth the risk. To risk on Jesus, his goodness and his grace, wherever you're at today, is no risk at all. See, the enemy knows when we chains, he very well of our chains, he understands that, and he wants to stop our first response. But the Bible says actually the, the clues and the way to freedom is not complicated, church. James 4 verse 7, submit yourself to God. Just humble yourself before God. Submit yourself to his ways. Choose him over others. Stop worshiping others. Submit yourself to God. Then submit yourselves, then to God. Resist the devil. I've heard the devil commanded out of Durban so many times, and yet I know he's still there. I can see it in the chaos and the destruction. My job is not to command the devil out of Cape Town. We're going to have a prayer meeting. We're going to command the devil out of Cape Town. That's not my job. My job is to resist the devil. You want to speak? You want to be a sentry sitting next to me? No, my job is just to resist. Stop now. Shut up. Resist the devil. And you know what happens? We don't have to flee because the Bible says he will flee from you. We are victors. We sing the songs and it's got to get deep inside of us. We've got to understand our position in Christ is far more powerful than what we sometimes allow ourselves to believe. That whatever cave, whatever chain is upon you today, there is a king who has redeemed you and has broken the power of those chains already. Already. And we're going to get to that scripture. I want to hold that for now. But if it's chains of addiction, the same way God and that angel who was a representative of an angel and, a, and an agent of change and an angel of the kingdom of God, says, get up. If it's addiction for you today, maybe an addiction that you've managed. I, I chatted to someone who told me, now I managed my addiction for 17 years. We become good at managing our addictions. Maybe it's chains of self-pity. Self-pity is just a prison. If we justify and we make look good, it's just a prison. Maybe it's chains of poverty. 
Well, we've never had and we're never going to have no. I want to tell you a scripture that I'm going to get to that changes everything. It says, actually, it's not about my earthly lineage. It's about who my father is in heaven. So I build into his story. Maybe it's chains of fear, intimidation. Step one to freedom is not a great church service. First step one to freedom is get up. Step two is not much more complicated because my notes don't get much more complicated. It's get going. Verse 8, then the angel said to him, put your clothes, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Put on your clothes and sandals. He says, what is he saying? He says, actually, you're lying there. You're useless for the gospel without clothes and sandals on. I don't know if you know, but, but I know that if I was standing here without clothes and sandals on, this place wouldn't be as full as it is now. Is that right? Just some, just want to respect some of the older ladies. I'm not unbelievably powerful for the gospel standing on a stage naked. Peter wouldn't have been either. So God knew this. He says, actually, I want to get you back into a place of doing what I've called you to do out of this prison right now. Get up and get going. Put on your shoes that will enable you to walk a distance. The church was never created to stay in a safe place, to stay in one place forever. That's why wherever you read of the mighty men and women of faith, they are on the move. And even Paul goes and he builds, and he's building with the most amazing church in Ephesians and Ephesus. And then the word of God comes and says, I want you to go to a place where you will be persecuted. You probably will be thrown in jail and you'll probably be killed. And Paul goes, I worship that God who isn't about my comfort in this place with my mates. He's taking me on a story. He says the same thing to Peter. He says, come now, Peter, put on your clothes. Put on these clothes. What are the clothes? I love Isaiah 61 as a scripture. I love everything about it. But there is this truth that says, and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. It's pretty much the theme scripture for every ladies meeting in church in the world. Just a naughty thing. And um, it says, the oil of joy instead of mourning. And then a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. I don't know about you, but locked in chains with guys sitting next to me, there's a spirit of despair on me going, why am I here? I don't deserve this. And the Bible says, actually, put on your clothes. Put on a garment of praise in the midst of praise. Trust God. Put on a garment of praise. Begin to worship your God. Sing his praise. Sing how awesome and mighty our God is. Sing how great he is. And then there's a simple third step, which I think, again, is not complicated. The angel speaks to him. Understand that the angel is an agent of change. The angel is someone God would use, like the person sitting next to you, like Heidi and Mariette and many others in this community for Roscoe and Joe, like the wife who would poke her husband to go get prayer because he doesn't want to, like the many other stories and agents of change, like the community you're in, like the life group you meet with on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, like the person you run to in it all. There are agents of change God has called us to engage. And this agent of change says, actually, come, follow me. But actually, the greatest agents of transformation and change in our life is Jesus. It's Jesus himself. It says, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing and what was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. See, the problem is we struggle to have a vision for freedom when we're in chains. We just struggle. We struggle to have a vision. don't know about you, but when I'm feeling down and things are tough, I struggle to have a vision of how I'm going to get out of here. I'm not like Michael, the lead character in Prison Break, who has a plan every time there's a challenge. 
I'm just not like that guy. Sometimes I just don't have a vision. Maybe you're here right now. I say, well, my marriage feels like a prison right now, and I don't have a vision. You don't need to have a vision. You need Jesus. You need to trust him. You need to get up. You need to get going. You need to follow him. Follow him. Christianity is simple. Follow Jesus. We make it a whole bunch of other things, but it's very simple. Follow Jesus. Which means, yes, you're given leaders, but if you live your life off myself or any other church leader, it's too low a level. The Bible says follow Jesus and allow many people to point you to Jesus, but get your eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of your faith, Jesus, because he will never let you down. He will never disappoint you. And he always has a vision for your freedom. Always. Thank you for the three people that are excited this morning. But I want to tell you two things. It's okay to not have a vision. It's okay to not know where you're going. It's not okay to not have Jesus. And in the midst of a prison, with chains and centuries, hold on to Jesus. Remember this guy, Peter, in chains. He's the guy who Jesus says, actually, I'm this guy. I'm going to build my church on this rock. He's the guy who preaches when all the disciples are going, what do we do now? Someone's got to preach. I'll stand up. 3,000 get saved. Now he's in prison. Actually, and yet he didn't have a plan. The second thing I would say to you is that place, sometimes our prisons, our fiery pits, our pits with lions in them are the perfect place for us to be. If God has called us there and he has led us there because he will sustain his call always. He will always sustain and provide. What's holding you hostage from getting up right now? You've got to be honest with yourself, not with me. It's your marriage. Is it your call? Is it your future? Or maybe even your future joy? Or maybe even your past? That keeps haunting and shouting and reminding you as a, as a sentry at a gate, shouting at you, you're going to die tomorrow because of what you did in the past. Now the blood of Jesus has to speak a better word. The blood of Jesus has to become louder. The truth of the gospel and who Jesus is. Why? Because this is the scripture that I love. And I shared it last week, but I want to share it again. 1 Peter 1 verse 18. For you know, for you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life you inherited from your forefathers. Stop there. What have you inherited from your forefathers? Not I inherited. Just be brutally honest. Things like racism. My family, alcohol addiction. All my grandparents died from it. And yet the Bible says all of that stops when the blood of Jesus comes on my life and I'm pulled into a new story. All of it. And then he carries on. Says, but, but, wherever there's a but in the Bible, it's important. A B-U-T, but. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or spot. The blood of Jesus that is perfect overrides any lineage that you have received today, sir or ma'am. Oh, Mark, you don't know my story. I don't know your story. But I'm telling you the gospel is in every one of our stories. There's brokenness. There is pain. There is disappointment. There is letdown. And I'm so grateful for my earthy lineage. I'm so grateful for the men and women who have gone before. I'm so grateful that my father took this truth and allowed our story and our family to change. And I have a father who's not an alcoholic, although he spent his life in prayer. He never left boarding school. 
the only time he would leave the boarding house is if people would take him out. Otherwise, he would spend his holidays in Dundee High School, in Dundee School, because his family were gone. I'm so grateful that that is not my story. And I'm so grateful that the father broke into my father's life, into, into his smallness of his perceptions and understanding to bring freedom in life. So that is not my story. It's not your story too, sir or ma'am. The Bible tells us there's a bit of a process. Your freedom has been purchased and paid. Those chains, they're not locked. But there is a journey that you've got to go on. That your pastor cannot do for you, your life group leader cannot do for you, your best friend cannot do for you. You've got to do, and it looks like this. Get up, get going, and get following Jesus. And watch the chains fall off. Watch their centuries be silenced and pinned against the wall. Watch the iron gates fling wide open. Watch the warden's mouth be silenced. And watch God redeem and restore his people. But there's a faith journey that looks like get up. Get going. Follow Jesus. This has to be a realization. I want to read Revelations 12 verse 11 from the message. Quotes it often. They defeated him through the blood of the lamb and the bold word of their witness. The enemy is defeated this morning by the bold word of your witness. By the bold word of your witness. But here's what I'm challenging us today. Because I know that even in this room, there are things holding people back. And it's not because Jesus hadn't paid the price. And it's not because his chain isn't, his freedom that he brings isn't perfect. It's because sometimes just the poke in the ribs that we get isn't enough. Sometimes we need the word to come and confront every chain, every century that's shouting and say, get up. This morning, what's your chain? Is it, is it, is it emotions that are out of tack because of a history? Something that happened in your world? You don't have to live with that big X marks the spot of brokenness in my life and my life will be ever affected by that. You don't have to live with that. Why? Because 1 Peter tells us, actually, I don't live with what I inherited from my past, my, my lineage. I live with the freedom that I live in because of Jesus. Can I have the band up, please? Thank you. I want us to just sing a song of worship. But the Bible promises us that Jesus breaks every power from chains to centuries, to iron gates, to the sentences of our life, every power. I can't do it for you, so man. I can't do it. Peter and John, they walk past a man, he's lame. He says, they reached out their hand. You know what? He must have reached out his hand too. There's got to be a reaching. The prodigal son, everyone talks and celebrates, and I think it's beautiful that the father ran to him, but it was only on the very last part of the journey. There was a turning that happened, that turning in the midst of a, of a pit. That turning is called repentance. It's so darn glorious, and it happened in the midst of pig poop. I lacked a better word for that moment. I apologize. But it happened there. And everyone talks about this moment and they celebrate this moment. But the most glorious moment of that whole story happened there. We're in the midst of brokenness and chains. Jesus gets a hold of his prodigals. Jesus, who is more committed to seeing you whole than you will ever be. Jesus, who's paid the perfect price. That Jesus. Who, although Andrew Van Rain lost his daughter five months ago, it hasn't stopped him praying for the sick. I thank Jesus for Andrew Van Rain in my life. Because he is a son and wonder that calls a pastor that's prayed for many, many people who then passed away. To remind me that Jesus is still Jesus. And it's not about me. 
And it's not about the chains of, oh God, why did they die? No, your job, son, is to get up, to get going and believe me and follow me again. And he gives me signs and wonders who would do that. I want to ask this morning, can we close our eyes just for a second, please? I ask in a moment of faith, this, this can't be just the zeal of a preacher. Don't get me wrong. I am passionate to see every person, every person, not just the ones in this building, every single person designed, called to be a son of God, free. And I know that I know through experience and walking with men and women that sometimes it takes time and there's this journey. But actually there are moments where Jesus breaks into the smallness of our prison cells and light shines. Maybe this is a moment for you. Maybe it's brokenness from a hurt. Maybe it's brokenness for where someone sinned against you and abused you when you were young. Maybe it's a dream that was shattered. Shattered. And when you look back, all you can see is the shattered dream. And so your ability to dream for a future seems shattered too. I want to pray for you this morning and I want you to pray for yourself and follow me in a prayer. If that's you this morning and you want to trust Jesus, would you stand this morning and pray a prayer of faith that will see freedom come in your life? Would you stand with me? Thank you that you are here, Spirit of God. Please, not the zeal of a preacher, but the power of your word. Can you pray this with me? Lord Jesus, I surrender to you this morning. Every part of me. I will not be held back by enemy chains. Or any enemy shot that would limit your future in me. I will get up. Actually, we've got to say that with a bit more conviction. I will get up. I will get going. And I will follow you to freedom. Thank you, Jesus. That you have won my victory today. I will run out of this place. Can you just worship Jesus this morning? Put on a garment of praise right now. You've got to get a little more excited. Put on a garment of praise right now. If you struggled with depression, allow depression to come off. Take off the cloak of depression now. How can I say that? Because the word promises. Put on a spirit of joy and life because that's who Jesus is. I look around this room, I see no people who've lost spouses in the last year or two. And I'm going, actually, that has happened. And no one blocks that out. But actually, I want to promise you that there is joy in Jesus. Because He's alive. And there is an eternity with Him. Can we just close our eyes for a second? We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Pray right now. Reveal your sons and daughters in this place, God. Let's worship Him with a chorus.